Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. And you can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Good morning, church. Man, I'm excited about this. We have been in this summer of change, this series, The Power to Change. And I'm so excited because uh, I believe so many of us, as we've been praying through 40 days of prayer, as we've been asking God to change us, we've been seeing changes happen in our, whole li- uh, in our, in our lives, our, uh, our circumstances, but most importantly, what's going on in our personal lives. Are you thankful for what you're seeing God do in your personal lives? Let's give us some praise today. <clears throat> I want to just dive right in. We're going to look in Mark chapter 9. I want to start right off in verse 14. And we're going to read a story about Jesus ministering to a man. It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the other people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. I wonder, does he still have that effect on us today? That when we see Jesus, we're overwhelmed with wonder. That when we come to church, it's not just coming to church, but not just like checking off something else on our to-do list throughout the week, but we come here expecting to meet with him and being overwhelmed with wonder. This crowd of people, they saw Jesus and they were in awe. They were in wonder at the fact that, that he was there and they ran to greet him. And it says, what are you arguing about? He asked, and the man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. And whatever seizes him, it throws him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? I know that we've never done anything that made God feel like that, right? This is just first century disciples, right? How long should I put up with you, he says. And he says, bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. See, whatever is intimidating you in your life is intimidated by the presence of Jesus. And that's why it's a good thing that you came to church today because that issue that you've been intimidated by, that thing that you've been staying up late at night and not sleeping because you've been concerned about, that thing that's been bothering you is intimidated by the presence of your savior, by the presence of our God. And here they they bring the boy to Jesus says he fell on the ground and rolled around him foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible to the one who believes. See, it doesn't give us the name of the father. It doesn't give us the name of the son. All it tells us is that everything is possible for anyone who believes. 
That's good news. It doesn't matter what your name is. It doesn't matter where you came from or your background or what you did last night. If you believe, everything is possible for you. That's the words of our Savior. That's the words of Jesus. Everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him uh, to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. We've been in this series uh, called The Power to Change, and I want to speak to you from the subject today, everything is possible. Everything is possible. In fact, would you turn to your neighbors, give two people a high five, and tell them everything is possible. Everything is possible. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So would you pray with me today that we would have our ears open and hear what God wants to speak to us right now in this room. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus's name and we ask for your mercy. We ask that you would open our ears to be able to hear you, that you would open our eyes to be able to see you, that you would release our voice in order to be able to speak out truths about you. God, we pray for faith in this room. We pray that as we get into your word, you would impart faith into us and that we would leave here changed, not because of anything that we are doing, but because of what you're doing in our lives. So we thank you so much, God. We pray that you meet with us today. I pray that you fill this room with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The truth is, I know from every person in this room, I would believe that we all have something. We all have something that we're praying about something that's the issue that for many of us, it keeps us up at night. The thing that, that keeps coming across our mind that we keep asking God, God, would you fix this? Would you change this? We've been in this series called Change, the power to change. And we've been praying, God, would you change this thing? And the truth is you don't have to think very hard to know exactly what it is I'm talking about, to know exactly that thing that that you really want to see God work on, that thing you really want to see God change. And, and in fact, we all have that thing. And for this man, we see in Mark chapter nine, that something that he was praying about was his son. The thing he had been consumed about, the thing that he was staying up at night and losing sleep over, the thing that he, he was traveling to, to talk to friends about and getting prayer teams together about, that thing that he was so concerned about was his son. And, and we see here that he's bringing his son because he so badly wants to see his son changed. He so badly wants to see the circumstances of his son's life be changed. He wants to see his son made whole. Man, I feel for this father because as we look at him, like I admire his faith. I admire it because I see that this certainly is not the first time that he had tried to get help for his son. That certainly along the way, he had, he had been looking to, to get some sort of help for his son. And we know that his son's not even small anymore because when Jesus asked, how long has he been like this from childhood, he answered. So we know that the boy is not a child anymore. And yet we see his father here still having faith, still believing, 
still holding on to hope that maybe, just maybe something can be done. And he hears word that there's this man named Jesus from Nazareth that's coming through and he's saying, well, maybe Jesus can do something. Maybe he's not like the others because certainly there would have been others that have come through and said that that they were healers. Certainly others that would have come through and said that they could fix people's problems. And certainly he took others to doctors and yet none of it worked. And and he's thinking, certainly there's a chance here. Maybe something can be done. And see, if it's for your kid, there comes a point of desperation where you'll try anything. See, I love the fact that it's the father here that's, that's pleading for the boy. It's not the mom because it, it could have been with the father. It could have been like, hey, we've tried everything. So, you know, none of it's working. I'm going to be playing golf. You do what you want with the boy. I'm going to be out on the golf course. I don't know how to fix it. But we see this father. He's still holding on to hope. He's like, you got to do something for my child. Is there anything that can be done? And I think for every one of us that are parents in this room, you know, there, there's nothing more pressing than an issue with your child. Because the issues we have in our own lives, we can try to power through it. We can try to just think, I'll just get tougher. I'll just, but, but something happens to our kids. And man, like, there, there's nothing more pressing. There's no more desperate of a situation than when something has grabbed onto your child. And we see that that's exactly where this man is. He's, he's saying, this is my son. I love him. Is there, is there anything that can be done? And see, I love this story because it's really interesting that it shows us that this is the first time recorded in scripture that Jesus's disciples have a problem casting out a demon. And we know this because if we look back just a couple chapters to Mark chapter six, we see that Jesus actually empowered his disciples and sent them out to go preach the gospel, to to heal the sick and to cast out demons. And they did so with great authority and great success. So word is spreading around that Jesus' disciples, they, they can go cast demons out of people. They can do the thing. If you, got, if you got an issue, bring it to them. They can fix the problem. So like now they have, they have a reputation that's preceding them. They know that everywhere they go, people are expecting, okay, we know you can cast demons out. Would you do something about it? So this man, he, he, he brings the boy to, to the disciples and they are so pumped up by their own abilities here that they're thinking, you know, certainly we can handle it. And, and they just start trying to do the thing. They start trying to cast the demon and yet, yet nothing happens. And, and we, we look at this and we see that it was a shock to them because when we look in Mark chapter six, they had such great success that apparently it was such a big deal that they had started trusting so much in their own abilities and their own giftings and not trusting and just hoping God will show up and do something that Jesus had to rebuke the disciples. So in Luke chapter 10, he says, guys, hold on a second. I don't want you to get excited about the fact that demons submit to you. You should be excited about the the fact that your name is written in the book of life. Like our focus shouldn't be on the fact that, yeah, you're, you're successful in ministry. The focus in your life should be, he has given grace to me and he has loved me and he has forgiven me. That's where your focus should be. So, so he's showing his disciples like, guys, yeah, you've gained some success. And now here we got the disciples and, and this man brings the, his son to the disciples. He's like, do the thing. Like, I heard you could fix them. He's got an issue, would you fix them? Just like do the thing. And, and the disciples, I don't know what it looked like. Maybe they stood the boy up and they put a hand on his head and like, come out of him. And then, and then nothing happened. So it's that, well, it'll get it. should I get louder? I don't know, God, come out of him. Nothing happened, right? So like, maybe they did a little dance or something. I don't know, like, you be gone. And, no, it's not working, let's whisper now. Come at him. 
I don't know what to do. And here they find themselves, they're, they're trusting in their own abilities to the point to where it's like what they expected to be able to work is now not working anymore. And, and you know, this has got to be like the father's got to be at his wit's end. Like, certainly these guys are successful. They should be able to help me. And I, I brought my son to them and, and, and yet it didn't work. I wonder, have you ever put so much trust in your own abilities, in your own skills, and then all of a sudden you're shocked by the fact, wait a minute, it's not working anymore. I used to be able to close deals. I used to be able to make the sell. I used to be able to make money and it's not working anymore. And we could look at the story from the disciples' point of view and say, wait a minute, they, they had gotten to a point where they were so successful in ministry, they stopped trusting in God and they stopped seeing the power of God work on their behalf because they're not trusting in him anymore. And yet for the father, what does this look like? He, he's going, now that little bit of faith that he had has quickly got to be running out because he's going, wait a minute, I brought my boy and he, you should be able to cast the demon out and yet you weren't able to do it either. And he starts trying to explain this to Jesus. He, he starts trying to explain the fact that like, like listen, I, I brought him to you. He, he said this in verse 17, a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. He said, I brought you my son. Wait a minute. No, you didn't. I brought you my son. No, no, you didn't. You, you brought your son to the disciples, but I know he hadn't brought him to Jesus yet because Jesus just showed up on the scene. That's what the scripture says. So he's there saying, I brought you my son, but he never brought his son to Jesus. He only brought his son to the disciples. I wonder, is it possible that we say we're bringing something to God, but we haven't actually brought it to God. All we did is we brought it to church. I wonder, is it possible that we say, I've really been praying about this and bringing it to God and, and we're not praying about it. We're just staying up all night, worrying about it and calling it prayer. I wonder, is it possible that we're saying like, you know, I, God, I, I need to give this to you. And what we do instead is we talk to like 10 of our friends and tell our problems to 10 of our friends and they can't fix the problem. So then we look and we think, well, if they can't fix it, then surely God can't fix it. And we point the finger of blame like, God, you can't do anything about it. I wonder, is there some sort of issue that we think we've brought to God, but we haven't actually brought it to God. But I have good news for you. If that that issue, that thing that you got going on is, is, is like something you've been weighing you down and you've been carrying around. All of a sudden we see Jesus shows up on the scene and Jesus comes in power and he says, you know what? I want you to bring that boy to me. He said, I know you brought him to the disciples. I know you brought him to all these other people and these other things. I know you brought him to doctors before, but what you need to do is that issue that's been keeping you up at night. I want you to bring that issue to me. Bring that issue to me. So now Jesus, the one who's bigger than any issue that we can ever face is standing on the scene and saying, okay, bring the boy to me. Would you bring that issue to me? See, there are those of us in this room today that God is just simply waiting for you to bring that issue that you came in this room with to him. It's good that you brought it to church. It's good that you brought it to your counselor. It's good that you brought it to your pastor, but have you brought it to Jesus? Let me tell you something about the people on your row. In fact, look at that person next to you. See how pretty they are? Look how, look how nice they are. That person sitting right next to you, let me tell you a secret. 
they got issues. <laughs> they got some issues in their life. In fact, all of us in this room have issues. Some of us even have subscriptions, right? We all have issues and you brought your issues with us today. But what we see here is that Jesus isn't calling us to bring our issues to church. He isn't calling us to bring our issues to WebMD. What he's saying is he's saying, I want you to bring your issue to me. That thing that has kept you just so bothered and you're walking the floor at night, have you brought it to Jesus? Notice I'm not saying bring it to your aunt. I'm not saying bring it to your church or your pastor or your counselor or WebMD. I'm saying, have you brought that issue to Jesus? And Jesus here is so clearly pointing out the fact that this man said, I brought him to you. And he's like, well, how about bring him to me? <laughs> Don't just talk about it with everyone else. Don't just bring him everywhere else. Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to Jesus. And see, What's interesting about this is when they first bring the boy to Jesus, what appears to happen is on the surface level, the situation appears to get a lot worse because we see that, that the issue flares up again, that now the boy is seized and he's, he's fallen to the ground. And this is because sometimes for God to make something better in your life, he has to first expose it for how bad it really is. And guys, I wanna tell you that I got good news for you because there are some of you that you bring your issues into church, you bring your issues into a worship service, and now like where you were feeling like, I wanna get away from my depression, I wanna get away from my anger, I wanna get away from my anxiety, and you come into a room like this, and all of a sudden you fill it well up. You're like, man, now I'm really feeling anxious. Now I'm really feeling angry. Well, what is that? What that is is the, the, the spirit that's been intimidating you is now in the face looking at the Son of God who is saying, your time has come short. You no longer have place here. So it's freaking out, it's coming to an end, it's flaring up to show us how bad it really is because our God so desperately wants to rescue you from that very thing that's bothering you. So here they bring this boy to Jesus and now it looks like it got worse. The, the boy falls on the ground, he, he, he's foaming at the mouth and, and you know what? I wanna pause for a moment and I, I wanna just relate to this boy. Cause we can relate to the disciples in this story who, who were trying to do something by their own success and by their own abilities and failed. We, we can relate to the father because I think for many of us in this room, we've cared so much about someone else and wanna see God help someone else. We can relate to that. But I think we need to take a moment and relate to this boy. Because I think for every one of us in this room, we can relate to this boy and see, I'm not saying relate to him like saying that you have a demon, but I don't believe this story is so much about Jesus casting the demon out as much as it is about this story showing us that Jesus has power and authority over anything that might be tormenting you in your life. And we need to know that because I think we walk around with the things that torment us and the things that keep us up at night and, and we're just settling with it. We're just acting like it's okay. But we've got to recognize that the God we serve, the son of God who made a way for us and loves you so desperately, he has authority over that issue that you've been just dealing with. That's why he's saying, bring him to me. And see, this young man, the, the Bible says he was seized by something. Verse 21, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has also thrown him to the ground 
thrown him into fire or water to kill him. Verse 18, if we go back, says, whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. Verse 17 says, uh, uh, he's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. So you may not be possessed by a spirit, but I will bet that there is something that has robbed you of your speech. I believe that there, every one of us in here, we deal with different things that from time to time will rob us from purposes that God has in our life. And see, that's what the enemy does. Jesus exposes it in John chapter 10. He says, the enemy comes to steal, to kill and destroy. That's all he ever does in our lives. He, he throws a carrot out in front of us and he tries to make us think that something is gonna be worthwhile, that we should go after that temptation, that we should go after what everyone else in the world goes after. And then as we begin chasing it down, what does he do? He tries to steal from us. He tries to kill us. He tries to destroy us. And that is exactly what's happening to this young man in the story, that, that the enemy has robbed him of his speech, robbed him of his, his voice. And maybe you're here today because God wants to reconcile you to what you have allowed to rob you of your voice. That God wants to restore voices back. He wants to restore your, your ability to hear him back and see him back. He wants you to be able to speak out in faith all the good things that he's doing. He wants to restore these things. But, but just like this boy, something has come along and it seized him. It's robbed him of his ability to speak. That's what we learned from here is that we see the agenda of what's taking place here is that this spirit seizes him. That he's just going on in his normal day and then something reaches out and grabs him, grabs a hold of him. And I wonder if we were to be honest, I ask you, what is it that seizes you? You're just going on in your normal day and something reaches out and grabs a hold of your mind and, and you were doing good and now all of a sudden you felt like you're, you're captive to something again. What desires seize you? What addictions? And I'm not just talking about drugs and alcohol. What things from your past reach out and seize you? What guilt, what shame? Where you're just, I'm just going through my normal day. I'm, I'm trying to be successful. I'm trying to do good. I even got up and read my Bible this morning. I'm trying to go, and now this thing reached out and it grabbed me and it's trying to torment me. It's trying to throw me to the ground. It's trying to hurt me. And this man is saying, can you do something for my boy? Because he's a good boy. I love my boy, but he's got this thing that's, that seizes him. This thing that keeps grabbing onto him and holding him back. And I'm fascinated that, Jesus asked the father, how long has he been like this? Okay, because if you notice in the passage, Jesus doesn't ask what caused this. Now, Jesus is so much more interested in fixing the problem and having compassion for the man that he is about diagnosing what caused the problem in the first place. And let me tell you what we get wrong so often in our culture and our society is we switch this around and we spend way too much time trying to diagnose why we have the problem as opposed to bringing the problem to God to fix it. Because man, we're good at that. We go through life, well, it's really the reason I have relational problems is because this happened to me when I was in my 20s. The reason I struggle with this addiction is because you don't know what happened in my childhood. And the reason that I deal with this and deal with that, and the thing is, I'm not diminishing anything that you've ever gone through, but I wonder how often are we trying to diagnose why we have the problems what we have as opposed to bringing them to Jesus because Jesus is saying, listen, I don't care about any of that. What I care about is this boy is under torment. Let's get to the real issue and let's fix it. 
And your God cares that you are being tormented. He cares that you're losing sleep at night. He cares that you're struggling. And he's saying, how about you just bring the boy to me? Just bring the issue to me because I want to do something about it. Man, we all have issues. And man, sometimes we come into church and we try to fake it like we don't have issues. But the truth is that pretty person you're sitting next to that we know has issues, they brought them in here with them. Because you can't leave your issues at home. You can't. You, you can't leave your doubt at home. You can't leave your addiction at home. You can't leave fear at home. But man, we, we do our very best that we can to try to cover it up and try to fake it like we got everything under control, right? Especially here at church. Especially at church, we try to put on the pretty face. Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome when you're awesome like me. Everything is awesome. Except I can't pay my mortgage. Everything is awesome. But I keep eating stuff I shouldn't eat. Everything is awesome. Everything. Oh. We go through life exhausted because we believe, we've been taught that in church, you gotta act like you have it all together. Because man, that's, that's not the way a Christian looks. Christian doesn't look like someone who's struggling. Christian looks like someone who's got it all together. So put that smile on your face. Put that smile, act like you're good, act, act like you're okay. And we walk into church and we have real issues that are going on on the inside, real struggles that we're dealing with. And, and what we do is the exact same thing that we see that this man does is instead of bringing the issues of what's going on in our own hearts to the Lord, what we do is we bring the surface level issues of the circumstances that are going on around us to the Lord. And we say, God, there's things around me that I want you to fix. God, could you fix my son? And that's big, it's pressing, it's important. God, could you fix my job? It's big, it's pressing, it's important. But, but we see here when he comes before Jesus and he's, he's talking to Jesus, he, he says it like this to him. He says, if Jesus, if you could do anything, take pity on us and help us. My gosh, there is so much in that statement. There's so much in the fact that this man, he brought his son to Jesus for Jesus to make his son whole, but that's not what he asked for. He asked, if you can do anything. This is a statement of desperation. This is a statement of defeat. This is a statement that shows us this man has stopped believing that his son could ever be made whole again. This is, if you could just do something to fix it, is there anything you can do? Maybe, maybe you could just calm it down a little bit. If you could just make it stop flaring up so much and stop being so painful or stop being so dangerous so the next time it flares up, it won't throw them into a fire. Is there something you can do to just numb it a little bit? But man, there's, there's many of us in this room that because of the disappointments we've dealt with in life, that's exactly how we walk into life. Is now, instead of asking God to fix the, the real issues of what's going on in our life, we're going, God, can you do anything? Can, can you just calm it down a bit? Can you, can you just help me sleep a little bit tonight? Can you just take the pain away? Can you give me a shot? Can you just, can you give me like something that'll just take the pain? So we start to settle and we settle for anything and everything. And we start ingesting anything and everything and listening to anything and everything and sleeping with anything and everything and watching anything and everything because we're just like, I just want some relief from the pain. 
I just want some relief. And, and we come to God with this request, just like this man. So can you do anything, anything? And Jesus shoots back at the man. He says, if you can, like I read this and it, it, it's almost a little bit funny because here he is standing in front of the, the, the God who created him. And he's asking him, can you do anything? If I can do anything, if you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for the one who believes. See, you're asking me if I can do anything, but I don't want to talk to you about just anything. I have in mind everything. Because we come before God and we pay the, pray these pitiful prayers. Can you do anything? You say, that's pitiful. I don't want to talk to you about like, just stuff that's going to give you relief for a moment. What I want to do from you is powerful. I can do everything. I could fully transform and change what you're dealing with. And we come to church wanting to fix just like this, going, God, could you just give me a little boost for the week so I can make it through the week? He's going, wait, that's just pitiful because I don't have in mind anything. I have in mind everything. I came to give you life and life to the fullest. I came to make living springs of life flow out of you that the spirit would be coming out of you in such a way other people are getting blessed because of you. That, that Why are we coming to God saying, God, can you do anything? When he's saying, no, I want to do everything. So there's gotta be a transition for asking our God, can you do anything to, to God? Will you do everything for me? And the transition there, Jesus points out is belief. Belief, everything is possible. That's not the end of the sentence. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Do you believe him? Have you put your trust in him? Do you believe that, that he's in control? Do you believe that his plan for your life is better than your plan for your life? Do you believe? Because Jesus is so interesting here that this man came with a surface level issue of saying, I wanna to talk to you about my son. Would you do something for my son? And he goes, wait, I know you came to, to ask me to heal your son, but the real issue I wanna deal with is I wanna heal what's going on in you. I wanna hear what's going on with the real issue, with what's going on in your heart, and that's your unbelief. So, so he calls it out. Everything is possible to the one who believes. Wait a minute, I thought we were talking about the son. Now we're talking about belief. And the man comes back and he says, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. I do believe, but help me. I wonder, have you ever felt nuts like that where you're just going, God, I believe you, but help me because I'm doubting. I believe you, you're good and that you're, you'll do anything, but, but God, will you? Like, I believe you're awesome, but, but could you actually do that for my family? I believe you, but I'm, I'm struggling so much with unbelief. So here's what happens. Jesus, Jesus flips it on him. Okay, because he started talking about his son. God, would you heal my son? He said, well, everything's possible to the one who believes. Now I'm talking about the heart issue, what's going on in you, a bigger thing, a more important thing. He said, I want to fix something else in you first. Because sometimes what God wants to do in you is not the thing that you're praying for right now. First, he might want to do something else. Maybe the thing you're praying for him to answer first, he's not gonna answer until he's answered other things and fixed other things in you so you're ready for what he wants to, what you're asking him to fix. Because, guys, I don't want you to miss this. The man brings his son to Jesus and, say, and says, will you heal my son? 
And Jesus does nothing. And then he says, would you help me with my unbelief? And Jesus then heals the son. Wait, wait a minute. Why? Because sometimes we get so caught up on what we want God to do for us that we miss what God actually must first do in us. Sometimes we care so much about our to-do list of God, would you fix this circumstantial problem with me? We're missing the fact that maybe he first wants to fix what's going on in our heart first, getting to the real issue, getting to the depth of what's really going on here. Because we see that when, when Jesus healed this boy, he was, he was doing something that was so much more powerful than just what this family was going through. Because Jesus was trying to get to a heart issue of what was really going on with the people. So when Jesus cured this boy, uh, he, he, he didn't just heal this boy of his seizures. When he cured this boy, he healed an entire generation of its unbelief. Yeah, He's saying, guys, I want to deal with the real issue. And that, that's what Jesus does. Jesus gets to the thing behind the thing. He, he gets to the deeper issue. And so many times we, we come to church with our shallow prayers of, of just, this is my bubblegum church prayer. I know I'm supposed to pray this list of, will you do this for me and that for me and make everything better and, and, I, and I, I'm good and I'm blessed, I'm highly favored. And then we moved on and like, we, we didn't really get to the real elephant in the room that Jesus so clearly sees and that's what's going on in our hearts. So this man, he says, will you help my son? Goes, I'll help you with your son, but first, can I fix what's going on in your heart? And I believe many times we, we're bringing things to God without bringing the real issue to him. We're bringing things to him, God, would, would you help me? Would you, would you give me a better job? And he said, I can and I will give you a better job, but, but would you let me teach you how to be faithful in the job that you have right now? God, I need more money. Would you bless me with more money? He said, I can and I will do that. But first, can I teach you how to trust me with the money that you have right now? Can, 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 I, can I give you what you need first before I give you what you want? Can we focus on my will for your life first before we focus on just all the things that you want? Because sometimes what we're asking for is not the real issue. And I don't want to diminish any, any problem in this room because I know we all have our things. We're coming before God and we're saying, God, would you fix this? And would you fix that? Would you heal me, God? Would, would, would you heal my kids? Would you, would you fix our finances? And all these things are so important. But I wonder if sometimes we're bringing these surface level things to God and we're ignoring the fact that he's looking right into our heart and saying, first, can I work on what's going on with you? Because I think for many of us, we would say, you know what, if I were to be honest, I, I, would, I would say I'm a lot like this father. And sometimes I say, yeah, God, I believe you, but I've been disappointed so many times and I struggled so many times that now I'm going, but, but would you help me with my unbelief? That the real issue, because I, I think this is church, this is where we have got to stop praying these perfect little church prayers, these bubblegum prayers, or this is my to-do list for you to do, and start praying real prayers, real spiritual prayers, like this father modeled for us. It's an honest prayer, when a, a prayer that sounds like, help, I'm struggling to believe. Like, I believe in you, I trust you, but I'm, I'm just struggling right now. I'm, I'm doubting right now. I'm concerned right now. Will, will, help me, God. Because when the man brought his son to Jesus, it was not 
when God made the turnaround and statement. But it was only when the man brought his unbelief to Jesus that Jesus then said, now everything is possible. So you bring me your circumstances and okay, I can do something about that. Bring me your hearts and I can change everything. You bring me the things that keep you up at night and yeah, I can fix that. Bring me who you are and I will change your whole world. And your God loves you so much, church family, that I think sometimes we're so confused because we walk through life wondering, will he do anything? Will he help me? And just like he's told people in scripture, we say, will you, the, the leper, he says, if you're willing, you can heal me. And our heavenly father is saying, I'm willing. I want to bless you. I want to help you. But how about instead of just bringing the little compartmentalized parts of your life to me, how about you bring me your whole self because I can handle it. I can handle the doubt. I can handle the unbelief. I can handle the frustration. See, I grew up thinking you're not allowed to tell God what you really think. Until we start looking in Psalms, start seeing King David. How did King David talk to God? Psalms 22. God, why have you forsaken me? Like you've left me out here on my own. He's mad at God. He's just being real. But what you know is so beautiful about that? The very next recorded Psalm in scriptures the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or he leads me. Guys, when we get real with God, when we bring who, what's really going on in our hearts to him, that's when we see change. And it's not necessarily that we're looking for change in our circumstances, but we start aligning ourselves with the will of God. We start getting right in alignment with what he wants for our life. And then we start recognizing, wait a minute, God is doing something bigger in me. He's changing who I am. He's fixing what's actually broken with me. Because maybe the, the job that you're praying to get out of is where God wants you right now so you can minister. Maybe the relationship that you're struggling with is, is how God is gonna lead you to start, to start showing love to people who are hard to love. Maybe those very things that we've been praying for circumstantially, Jesus is exposing to us, yeah, that's important, it's awesome, but, but can I do something first for you? Can I change what's going on in your heart? I wanna ask you if you would to stand to your feet with me because I believe that it's not an accident that you're here today. You came out in the middle of summer on a beautiful day after a rainstorm and you're here because you felt the Holy Spirit drawing you today. You knew it was important to be in his house today because he has an appointment with you and he wants to do work in your heart right now. So what I wanna ask you to do is with no one looking around with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I, I want us to just be real here. I want us to be real and just admit to our heavenly father if we are struggling so I wanna ask you, if you're struggling with unbelief, if you're struggling with doubt, and say, I am a believer, I love God, but, but I struggle sometimes to, to know, is he willing to help me? Is he willing? If you're struggling with that doubt and that unbelief or whatever, just put your hand up right now. No one looking around. Thank you so much for your honesty. This man was very bold in his declaration. He came before Jesus and, and when Jesus started exposing what was going on in his heart, he just spit it out to him. And, and Jesus fixed him and fixed his situation. The church, I wanna ask you right now, every person that just put your hand up, we are going to, to pray together and we're gonna make a declaration together. So every one of you, just like this father did a bold act and he stepped out in front of God, I wanna ask every one of you that just put your hand up and said that you're struggling to come fill the front of this auditorium, come all the way up to the stage 
because we're going to pray together. And there was a lot of hands that went up, so come all the way to the front of the stage so there's room for people to move forward. And while you're coming forward right now, we're going to make room for you. All of you that are not coming forward, I'm going to ask you to come in agreement with me, to come in agreement with the Holy Spirit as we pray for God to give us faith, as we pray for God to help us with unbelief and with doubt. Now, for all of you coming forward right now, there's two things that this man did. He made a declaration and he made a confession. First, his declaration, the, the thing that he spoke out, the thing that he was clinging to is he saying, I believe, I believe. Church, we are believers. We are not people walking through life saying, I don't believe, saying, I don't trust, saying, I don't hope. We are believers. We believe in God. That's the declaration of our mouth. But what he did second is so important to your breakthrough. What he did second is he got real with God. Now, not, not the confession to the world, the confession to his God. He said, but God, help me with my own belief. Help me, help me trust, help me with my doubt. Help me with my fear, help me with my addiction, help me. Because it's then and only then when you bring the contents of your heart to your heavenly father that he can say, okay, now we can do work. Now you've let me in. Now I can change you. Now you can see transformation in your life. So I want to pray today right now that we would be people that God would take our unbelief as we confess it to him, our doubt as we confess it to him. And he would say, okay, now you believe, now everything is possible. And then we're going to sing a song together as a church family. And this is powerful. I don't want anyone to leave for this part. We're going to sing a song together because our declaration is not that we don't believe. Our declaration is that we need help believing. So, so we do believe, and we're going to sing a song that says, I will trust you. I will trust you. And it takes faith to say these words. You might not believe it yet. You might be struggling with it. But, but you're saying, I'm going to come in alignment with the fact that I trust Jesus. I'm going to come in alignment with the fact that he's always been faithful. He's always been good, and I believe with him in him. So we're going to pray together. Let's take the contents of our heart and give it to our Heavenly Father. And then let's declare this song together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would look down and see your sons and daughters who so humbly are coming before you and saying, God, help. We need your help. God, we, we need you to rescue us because we believe in you. We trust you, but, but in our hearts we're struggling. I'm struggling with doubt. I'm struggling with pride. I'm struggling with fear. I'm struggling with anxiety. God, you fill in the blank for each and every one of us. You know what's going on in the contents of our heart. And as we pour it out to you right now, I pray that you would take it from us and that God, and you would replace our unbelief and our doubt. You'd replace it with faith. You'd play, replace it with trust that God, we know it's you who started this good work in us, so we're trusting you to complete it, you to continue it, you to help us along, you to grab a hold of our hands and pull us forward even when we're scared. So God, we trust in you. That's the declaration of our lives is that we, we believe in you, we trust you. And now every person in this room, say that out loud with your mouth. Say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I believe in you. I declare I put my trust in you. God, I pray as you look in this room, you'll see a room full of your believers. We, we, we pray that. We cry it out right now. We're going to sing this and declare it to you over our lives. In Jesus' name. Church family, let's sing these words. I will trust you. I will trust you. Let's sing it. I choose to trust you.
coming into alignment with his plan for us. So we say it even if we're struggling to, we say it, we declare it over our lives. I choose to trust you. I choose to trust you. prayer to begin your relationship with God through Jesus. God, I am sorry for my sins. I've made mistakes. I apologize. I turn from them and I turn to you. I want to make you the Lord and leader of my life. Guide me. Teach me how you want me to live. I want to live for all eternity in heaven with you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and raising to life again. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Friends, we believe if you prayed that prayer, you have begun your relationship with Jesus Christ. And we would love to hear from you here at Fellowship Church. Simply contact us at 970-245-PRAY or go online to fellowshipgj.com and tell us your story.